Hello and welcome to another episode of the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency. I would like to remind you all that we have just launched our print edition and I'd like to encourage you all to subscribe. You can do that by going to www.spectator.us forward slash subscribe and there you can take advantage of our various offers. I'm joined this morning by Paul Wood uh, of The Spectator, who has just written a snap reaction piece to the news that Qasem Soleimani has been killed in Iraq. Paul, Qasem Soleimani is uh, a very important Iranian figure, somebody who is often accused of being the sort of dark hand of everything anti-Western that happens in Iraq uh, and indeed elsewhere. First of all, how significant is this uh, strike, this killing of a key Iranian figure? Well, short of killing the supreme leader or the president of Iran, I can think of no more um, significant person that the Americans could have chosen to kill. This will inflame Iranian nationalists and supporters of the regime. It will be very useful to the regime in whipping up anger against America. And he was an extremely important figure around the Middle East. one CIA officer was quoted in a, a notable New Yorker piece that appeared a couple of years ago saying he's the most significant operative in the whole region. Everybody sees the hand of Qasem Soleimani behind everything, as you said. Uh, and there was some truth to that. He was in charge of the Quds force of the Revolutionary Guard Corps, which was a sort of combination of the CIA and special forces on the Iranian side. They conducted black operations in Iraq. They funded, armed and trained the Iraqi militias, the Shiite militias, which for years have been killing American servicemen and women, and over the past few days were behind a rocket attack that killed an American contractor. Shiite militias too, ultimately answering to Soleimani, were behind the armed rioting outside the American embassy that so angered President Trump a couple of days ago. He is, as I I wrote, perhaps the person most responsible for the survival of the Assad regime. And he's cooked up a lot of bizarre schemes over the years, including one he was accused of trying to kill the Saudi ambassador in Washington by paying Mexican cartels to blow up the restaurant where this ambassador liked to go to eat. So, yes, his hand was behind everything. He was an extremely valuable figure for the regime. And um, the Americans may find they've poked a hornet's nest. He also, I mean, there's a lot of kind of anti-war voices, particularly on the left, are now saying he was also more responsible even than Donald Trump for destroying ISIS. Well, one of the great ironies is that the Americans found themselves as the kind of unofficial Shiite air force in Iraq and in some crazy alliance with Iranian militias or Iranian-backed militias, militias on the ground, the Americans in the air. There was a strange suggestion from David Petraeus, General Petraeus of all people, a couple of years ago, that now that Iran was the main enemy again and al-Qaeda was growing in strength, perhaps former al-Qaeda fighters of the Nusra Front should be enlisted in uh, with the Americans. That was behind my rather flippant suggestion that, that now ISIS could be on the American side again against the Iranians. This all flows from the decision to invade Iraq, a country split between Shiite and Sunni, a fact not appreciated famously by President George W. Bush when he ordered the invasion, but which has governed everything since and will now govern the very difficult dilemma facing the Iraqi government. Who do they choose, the Americans or the Iranians? And it's quite hard to see now how Iraq doesn't descend again into chaotic civil war. I mean, it, as you say in your piece, it, Iraq now has to choose between America and Iran. And with a Shiite majority in Iraq, it's quite hard to see how they will 
not go with the wrong. Well, that's what I wrote. I, I, it is indeed quite hard to see how this doesn't end in much more bloodshed. Daniel McCarthy, another one of our contributors, wrote a piece saying exactly the opposite. Nothing will happen now. I guess that's what people um, expect from the spectators, people disagreeing about things. Um, yeah. I think uh, Daniel and I would agree that this is a rational regime. It's not a regime in Iran that's about to cut its own throat. Uh, it is a regime above all interested in its own survival. But what flows from that, I'm not so convinced that as the Iranians view the world, they don't think that their back is against the wall now and they have to strike out. Bear in mind the Iranians are under some of the most punishing economic sanctions there have ever been in the world. This is causing a lot of unpopularity in Iran and is threatening the regime. And the obvious next move for them is to whip up anger against the great Satan, against America, which having uh, now killed Qasem Soleimani, there's quite a handy issue for them to use. And I think the logical next move is for them to hit the Americans in Iraq, to do something against Israel, perhaps to do something against the Americans in Lebanon, where there is a big American embassy, this will not go un unanswered. And the question about whether there is now a wider war is entirely back in the Americans' hands. Do they escalate again once the Iranians carry out what they have promised will be their revenge for this? Yes. Um, well, nobody wants to pretend that Soleimani was a, was, a, was a good guy or anything like that. He was clearly a, a vicious operator. He did keep violence against America or, or his violence within the region. And of course, you know, almost all terrorist acts that we can think of in the West have been committed by Sunnis, really. Do you think we could now see Iran beginning to take sort of terrorist actions outside of the Middle East? I mean, it depends what you mean by terrorist action. You know, we uh, spoke briefly about this crazy plot to kill the Saudi ambassador in Washington, D.C. Mm. I think Qasem Soleimani has been linked to other things outside of the immediate Middle East in Africa, in the Far East uh, against Western targets or Jewish targets anyway. Don't forget that he led something called the Quds Force, which was named for the Arabic name for Jerusalem and you know, their wish ultimately to liberate Jerusalem from what they would call the Zionist aggressor. So uh, I think anything can happen now, but it's easiest for the Iranians to do something like close the Strait of Hormuz, through which a lot of the world's oil flows. I think what the Iranians may want to do is carry out an attack that can't obviously be laid at their own door. And the model for that would be the little drone missile strike on a Saudi refinery, ostensibly carried out by uh, Yemeni Shia rebels, the Houthi rebels. But everybody thinks, anybody who's thought about this thinks, was ordered by Tehran. That poses some problems for the Americans. It's hard to ratchet things up if it isn't immediately obvious who is the author of an attack. But really, anything could happen. And these are very dangerous moments in the Middle East, perhaps the most dangerous since Donald Trump was elected. Well, uh, Joe Biden has already accused Donald Trump of uh, throwing some dynamite in the tinderbox. And it does seem like it's hard to imagine how this will not escalate uh, much more dramatically as a result of last night's strike. However, I mean, do you think that it's possible that, that America had some intelligence that Soleimani was planning something imminent and therefore it, it qualified as an imminent danger and therefore justified the strike? Well, we don't know. They've been after him for some time. He's on various terrorist lists and uh, under sanctions himself personally as a terrorist financier and terrorist organiser by the US authorities. I found it very odd over the past few days with a Shiite armed mob outside the US embassy that there was a very calm and measured response from the Americans, almost too muted, given what a neuralgic issue anything outside an American embassy in the Middle East, but especially with the Iranian-backed crowd, must be ever since 
the embassy was seized in Tehran in 1979. And I did wonder if that was because something was being prepared. And then Soleimani uh, gifted himself almost to the Americans by traveling in a convoy from Baghdad airport. We may learn over the coming days what was behind this. Over the past six months, I'm told that attacks against American targets in Iraq have been stepped up. Think things were steadily ratcheting up. And I don't think this strike came out of the blue by any means. And do you think Trump famously is, is a campaigned on a sort of anti-war stump? He has tried to avoid foreign entanglements where he can. Do you think it's inevitable now that this will plunge him into his first war? He has in the past talked big and acted small. And this is part of the famous Trump negotiating technique of appearing like a crazy man at the outset of any negotiation in order that the other side is just so grateful that you eventually behave rationally that they give ground at the negotiating table. This may be different, partly because the US military has got a very deep list of targets and is ready to go, partly because neocon influence in Washington, even in Trump's Washington, is still very strong, and partly because he has already, while on the one hand saying no more foreign wars, on the other hand said very clearly in quite belligerent language, the Iranians will not be allowed to get a nuclear weapon, the Iranians will not be allowed to push the United States around. So, yes, I think it's entirely possible that things start to unravel very, very quickly. On the other hand, the Iranians are rational people. People around President Trump are rational people. Perhaps there will be a, a, a careful taking stock and people will step back. It's the Middle East. I wouldn't expect that. Another line you often hear pushed by, let's call them the hawks within the Trump administration, is that Iran's far more fragile than people think, that sanctions have been damaging the economy greatly and that the regime is close to collapse and they're facing a lot of protests. What a lot of the hawks will start saying now is that, you know, don't think that the Iranian regime will necessarily come out fighting. It may collapse under the weight of its own problems and contradictions. Well, there's certainly a lot of problems in Iran for the regime. They've had periodically street demonstrations. Young people are tired of the religious authorities telling them what to do. And Iran, Iran civil society is quite liberal in many ways. But I think if there was one thing designed to help the Mullahs, it would be an American airstrike of this kind. And they will now turn to their base, as Trump often turns to his. They will whip up a lot of nationalist fervor. They will create expectations that something must be done. And they will almost, with their own rhetoric, I think, push themselves into doing something that will in turn demand an American answer. So in terms of opposite effects are often the rule in the Middle East. This, is, this exactly conforms to that. And, the great uh, if, Satan has done exactly what the, the theocrats have always said the great Satan does. Well, exactly. The great Satan has, has behaved devilishly. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Paul. I'll let you go on. I know you've got a flight to catch. Hope to catch up soon. Thanks, Freddie. Appreciate it. I'm literally at the gate, at, at the <laughs> door of the plane. So. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. (laughs) 